Hi, and welcome to the Literati Cast. I'm Jennifer Loughran, and I'm a senior agent at the Andrea Brown Literary Agency, repping children's and young adult books. Here on the Literati Cast, me and my friends dish the dirt about children's publishing. Today's episode is, by special request, mostly about the Bologna Children's Book Fair. I'm going to get into what that even is with my guest in a few minutes. But first, I wanted to just refresh people's memories about what foreign rights are. I know I spoke about this very briefly in a previous podcast, but I also know that not everyone has committed every detail of every one of my podcasts to memory. Shame on you. But anyway, for those who may have missed it, the way that I describe subsidiary rights is with the rubber band ball analogy. Uh, It's a quick and dirty analogy I use. And it is basically your intellectual property, your book, is like a rubber band ball. And all the rights are the rubber bands. So when you and your agent go on submission to editors, you're not selling the whole ball. You're selling individual bands off of it, individual rights. For example, you might sell the right to publish the book in hardback, paperback, and ebook. Those three rubber bands are almost always sold together. But maybe you're only selling the ones for North America in English. You haven't sold the one for the book to be published in Estonia. Maybe you also sell the rubber band for audiobook in English, but you haven't sold the one for audiobook in German. You probably haven't sold the rubber band that lets you make a movie or a lunch pail or bed sheets out of your characters. These are rights that are almost always held by agents on behalf of their authors. So very, very simplified. The publisher's goal is always to get the most rubber bands for the least amount of money. And your agent's goal is to keep as many rubber bands and get as much money as possible for the ones they sold. There are reasons to throw in rubber bands to the publisher. Maybe they have an amazing audiobook arm and you know they're going to do a great job at that. So you might consider selling them audio as well. Maybe your agent is using some of those rubber bands as leverage to get a better deal. Um, This is something to discuss with your agent. Which rights are you selling? Which rights are you keeping? So the great news is keeping rubber bands means that you can sell them later. So maybe right now people aren't falling over themselves to buy bedsheets with your characters on them yet. But if your book really gets huge, they might well be. So it's nice to have those rights so that you can exploit them if and when the time comes. Uh, This is all relevant, I promise, (laughs) because what agents are talking about when we talk about going to Bologna we're mostly talking about selling foreign rights. So these are those lovely rubber bands that we have kept for translation to other languages all around the world. So bear in mind, first of all, not every book is right for every territory in the world. Just like any other kind of media, if you've been to a foreign film festival or gone to bookstores in other countries, you probably have noticed that what's entertaining or resonant in one country does not always translate well to another. There are very few books, maybe like Harry Potter and Wimpy Kid, that truly seem to cross all borders and do well with all audiences. For the most part, your books are likely to either do nothing in the foreign or just kind of do okay, maybe do well in some countries, but it's rare that you're going to have a global hit. But even if your book only does okay, here's some food for thought. Actually, here's some math for thought. Let's say you sold your book for $10,000 to a mid-sized American publisher. I picked $10,000 because I'm not trying to do extreme math over the airwaves. 
So uh, in this scenario, you sold world rights. There's nothing wrong with selling world rights. You'll still get money. It just means that the publisher is shopping those rights on your behalf. In your contract, you have a foreign split with your publisher, probably something like 70-30 in your favor, 75-25 maybe, should they sell foreign. So let's say they sell the rights to Hungary for 1,000 euro. That means you get 700 euro. Uh, If it's 70-30 split, you get 700 euro, which is nice. But if you haven't earned out that first $10,000 advance yet, that 700 euro goes toward earning out your advance. You never get it in your pocket. If you have earned out already, it will be included in your royalties, and then you'll get paid it, less your agent fees, uh, when you get your royalty statements, which might be six months after the publisher gets paid. So in other words, you will get 595 euro at some point in the undefinable future, possibly six months later, uh, or a year later maybe, depending on how fast the publisher gets paid. So new scenario, your agent has kept foreign rights. So agents, a lot of agents like to do this whenever possible because we often have dedicated foreign rights specialists who have much smaller lists than the publishers do. And we work directly with co-agents in every other territory. So um, hopefully we can give a little bit more attention to every book because we have fewer books to sell. But Anyway, we go out with your book and sell the rights to Hungary for the same 1,000 euro. You get the whole 1,000 euro, less your agent fee. So let's say your agent charges 20% because they're splitting it with a Hungarian co-agent. That's not unusual. That means you're getting 800 euro as soon as it comes to your agent. So, you know, that 800 is better than 595 (laughs) Uh, or better than nothing, which is what you get if you haven't earned out yet. So that's just one deal, and maybe it's not that big a deal for one deal. But if you're lucky enough to have multiple deals, that little difference can really start to add up. I know clients who have had books sell for much more money overseas than they ever did in the U.S., and so we're very happy to have kept those rights. So that was a crash course in foreign rights. I hope it made sense. Long story short is... Talk to your agent about what rights they're selling, what the strategy is behind it, um, how they sell foreign rights. There are good reasons to sell foreign rights to the publisher. There are very good reasons to keep them. But what you don't want to do is give away rights willy-nilly. So you do want to know what is happening with your foreign rights. Anyway, the math portion of this program is over now, I promise. And now we're going to get to the fun stuff. Here to talk with me about all things related to the somewhat secretive world of the Bologna Book Fair is my friend and super agent, Kathleen Ortiz from New Leaf Literary. Hey, Kathleen. Hello. So first of all, I know you are at New Leaf Literary. Can you kind of give us a quick and dirty lowdown on your agency? Yes. um, We are an agency that is full service. We have a obvious literary department in-house, many awesome agents who represent everything from children's books to adult books to fiction, nonfiction, everything. We also have a film and TV department in-house that we work with very closely. And we also have Translation, who sells translation rights to our books. And something else that really puts us sort of 
separate from everyone else in a fantastic way is we have a branding department. We have someone in-house who strategizes with our clients on marketing and publicity and also other opportunities for our clients outside of publishing. So that is us. Yes. That's awesome. And your role of the agency recently changed a bit, yes? It did, yes. Um, I was translation rights director um, pretty much for the life of the agency and even before that, so almost 10 years, which is crazy to think about. (laughs) I've been doing this for 10 years. But um, but yes, very recently, I actually switched over to full-time agenting to focus on my client list more. And, you know, my heart is in translation. I love translation, but that's why I'm focusing on my clients more. I like strategizing the global opportunities for them. And, um, but we have a fantastic translation rights department with me and Veronica. So, so I know a lot of unagented authors and artists are listening to this and really they just want me to shut up and ask you the most important thing, <laughs> which is what kind of books do you rep and what kind of books, authors, artists are you seeking? Yes. Um, so my list right now is starting to skew more in the a couple different ways. Specifically on the children's side, it's picture books. It could be text only. It can be illustrators. The majority of my illustrators are animators as well. Um, they just have a very unique, different way of portraying stories through illustrations that I really resonate with. Um, you do not have to be an animator to work with me, but um, obviously I do have to resonate with the art. But I am looking for artists and picture book text writers, so you don't have to be both. And then I'm also looking for YA. Specifically in YA, I am looking for diverse voices, different um, experiences that takes the reader and sort of shows them something different that they don't experience in everyday life. And I know that's very vague, but it's vague for a reason because everyone experiences different things (laughs) and is not all the same. Um, middle grade, I'm not going to say I'll never do middle grade. I actually do have a middle grade author that I sold. Um, but we just, we have so many other agents at the agency who do middle grade so well that um, my focus is picture book and YA. Also on the children's side, I'm looking for nonfiction. It can be literally anything. It can be activities. It can be STEM based. It can be biography, just anything under the sun. And then um, on the adult side, I am focusing more on nonfiction, pop culture, how-to, self-help, um, anything with an online platform where someone has the platform and they have cool content and a hook, but they don't know what the book is. I love working with people like that and helping them brainstorm what the book could be. So, You've said that you look for opportunities for your clients beyond the book. Yes. Can you talk about uh, what that means? Yes. Um, so... A lot of my clients are fantastic people that I, quite frankly, found by spending too much time on Facebook and Instagram and um, and just being like, there's a book here. I just don't know what it is. I need to talk to them. So, um, so in talking with them, I get to know sort of what their goals are, why they're building the platform, what they want to get to in terms of their career. And we come up with different ideas for it. It does tend to work better with nonfiction. There's more opportunities there. But there are opportunities in fiction as well. So for instance, like an illustrator, I do have illustrators that do stationery, they do greeting cards, they do note cards, journals. Um, It really just depends on what the client's goals are and then going out and finding those opportunities. Cool. And don't worry, listeners, I will put a link to query instructions in the show notes 
So you can send Kathleen all your awesome ideas. Send me all of them. <laughs> if she hasn't already stumbled on them by being on Facebook too much. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so there is actually a reason I asked you here besides the fact that you're awesome, Kathleen. Aw, thank you. Uh, I'm, first, I'm going to give a bit of background. So every year <clears throat> in spring, I and many, many other agents attend the Bologna Book Fair in Italy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm crying because so, I'm not going this year. But go ahead. I know. <laughs> when we first met, Kathleen, because you were for many years the foreign rights manager for New Leaf. Mm-hmm. So you were often their representative or one of their representatives at Bologna. And I've always shared my apartment in Bologna with you guys, the New Leaf gang. Oh, I'm having such FOMO now for this year. <laughs> I know. I'm really mad at you for not coming, honestly. But whatever. You'll have <laughs> I know. Um, so I know that a lot of times my listeners have been on social media and seen a bunch of agents in late March, all of a sudden (laughs) swatting around Italy together and eating gelato. Gelato watch. (laughs) And they've wondered what the heck is happening that all these agents are suddenly on vacation together. (laughs) Not vacation. Definitely not vacation. (laughs) So I wanted to clarify, demystify, et cetera. But then I was like, oh, this would be actually more entertaining if I had somebody to help me, and that's where you come in. Totally. So, Kathleen, <laughs> what, in a nutshell, is the Bologna Children's Book Fair? Bologna Children's Book Fair is um, an international book fair that takes place in Bologna, Italy, uh, once a year. And it's where pretty much almost everyone in children's publishing comes together to talk about books. It is amazing. Um, There's really no other energy like it where you can be in a room with thousands of people who all share a passion for children's books. It's just the best. Um, More specifically, it is the largest children's only international book fair. There are publishers there from every country imaginable. I have met with publishers who are from Germany, Turkey, Brazil, I have met with publishers who come from, you know, like Latvia, Russia, just literally everywhere. And it's, um, and it's really fun. It's a lot of fun to sort of talk books. Specifically, why agents go is to talk about their clients' books and pitch in person and try to make that connection with a potential publisher for their clients. And um, it's just, like I said, talking about children's books 24-7 for four days straight. True. I can confirm all of that. Also, <laughs> I will say that the there's two areas. There's, there's many areas, but really there's the show floor, which mm-hmm. is in multiple halls. And it is like um, kind of like if you've ever been to ALA or BEA or anything like that, it stands from every publisher. But then it's way more than that because it's literally every publisher, not just American <laughs> publishers. Yes. So you have an entire hall that's all the Scandinavian publishers, African publishers, every publisher. Mm -hmm. And so you can see some really amazing stuff. Yeah. Also, there is the, um, this large white wall Mm. that runs all around the, the main entryway. It's huge. I don't even, I can't, comprehend how big this thing is beautiful (laughs) one of my clients calls it the wailing wall Um, because illustrators put their work up so it starts as blank on the first day and then people start to fill it with art Mm -hmm. and then it gets more full and more full and more full until there's illustrations dripping off this thing like 
I'll post a picture or something because it's wild. It's fantastic. And it works. Like that's the, the thing. It's the first day, like she said, it's white. It's blank. Day one, day two, it starts to get more full. People are putting up their posters. They're, you know, they get very creative. Like they build their own business card holders and attach it to the wall. Um, but if you take the time to walk around it as an agent, you can find some pretty stellar talent there. And I actually have signed one client in the past um, from that wall, just because the art was so captivating, I had to reach out and ask if she had any book ideas. So it's awesome. Well, I've never done that, but <laughs> theoretically it's possible, yes. <laughs> so, um, I'm glad it has worked out for at least one person. You should take a walk uh, this year around the wall. <laughs> all right, all right. But it is incredible to look at anyway. Um, and then also, there is also a publisher of the year every year and various awards given out. So there's displays, you know, there'll be a country of the year and there'll be a big, huge display of that. But then there's the agent center. Mm-hmm. Kathleen, can you talk about what that looks like? Yes, it is this massive room with lots of tables and it's where speed dating occurs, but in the publishing world. So basically, agents have a table and, um, I'll give you an example. My day when I used to go was from nine to six. And so from nine to six every day for four days in half hour chunks, I would have meetings with publishers, co-agents, scouts, just depends who my meetings are with. And it was a lot like speed dating. They would come find me. We would talk books. I would pitch our list. I would ask what they're looking for. I would learn more about their market. Our meeting would end. Typically, it goes over because you have so much to talk about, and the next person <laughs> is standing right there, ready to sit down and to continue. So, if you're lucky, you have scheduled yourself some breaks in there, but mm, eh, who needs breaks? Not much. <laughs> there like, is a cappuccino my, bar at one end, so you can run and get a sandwich or something if you have to. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I will admit the only reason I had breaks was because my former assistant pretty much insisted on it. So, if it was not for her, I would not have breaks and I'd probably be a lot more cranky. So, (laughs) Um, and there's also a lot of work before the fair too. Mm -hmm. So you have a catalog of your upcoming available projects. How long does that take to put together? Um, A couple of months. Usually it's a lot of communicating with other agents in house and getting all the information about the book, you know, reviews, blurbs, anything that can help make the book stand out. And then once we compile the catalog, there's always a couple people who sell things at the last minute. And so we want to put those in there as well. Um, We need to share it with the co-agents and the scouts ahead of time, several weeks before the fair. That way they have time to review it, get familiar with our titles and start talking it up to publishers so that when publishers meet with us, they already have a list of what they want to discuss more specifically. So um, it is, Bologna is four days, but preparation for it is a couple of months. And then you typically take meetings all day, and then there's dinners too. There are drinks and dinners. <laughs> so, yes. I mean, it's very fun. It's a I lot mean, of fun, sounds- yeah. And dinners in um, at Bologna Book Fair, dinners typically start, I don't know how. What time do would you say? Like seven to eight or eight to nine? Oh, I mean, pretty yeah, late. pretty late. Yeah, so, um, since you know you take meetings till six, maybe you'll have a drinks meeting at six thirty or seven, and then you go to your dinner around eight thirty. Get back to your apartment or your hotel around eleven or twelve because dinners last a long time. Well, if you're lucky, yeah. <laughs> and then at that point, you go. You know what? Maybe I should check my inbox because the East Coast does not stop for me. So. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say I've spent many an all night, like crazy person session, <laughs> um, which is kind of good that jet lag happens because then you don't have to sleep as much. I don't know. It's, it can be very confusing at a certain point there. <laughs> um, so you mentioned who you're meeting with, but many listeners won't know. What is a co-agent? What is a scout? Yeah. So a co-agent is an agent that is based in another country um, who represents titles in a specific language and is very familiar with that market and very familiar with the publishers in that market and what they're looking for. And we work with co-agents because we trust that they know the market, they know what's going to work best, and that they know how to pitch the book in a way that really appeals to the publisher and shows them why it's going to work in that market. In turn, they help us negotiate. They know what the contracts look like in that market. They know, you know, what the going rates are. And um, it's just really nice to have someone on the ground helping us and, you know, go through the whole process. Scouts are people who, they can be based anywhere, but they work with a very specific group of publishers around the world. And they are the eyes and ears of the U.S. publishers and what the publishing market is like here. So they are, their job is to, you know, know what the big books are, know what, you know, if the book isn't big, but has a fantastic hook or would work really well in a certain market, their job is to know about it and tell the publisher about it. So the publisher can reach out to me and the co-agent and say, hey, I heard you have this fantastic book that might be a good fit. Tell me more about it. They do not negotiate deals, but they do a lot of reading. I have immense like respect for scouts and the amount of reading they do. So yeah, I honestly cannot even fathom how they do it. Yeah, seriously. So, um, so what is your goal at this, at these meetings? So like, the goal at the meetings at Bologna book fair is, um, you know, first and foremost to network, get to know what people are looking for and also share our list and see if there is a connection that we can make for them. Oftentimes, you know, a pitch can only tell so much if you have a conversation with them and that conversation reveals some things you didn't know about them and things that they're looking for, you can find an angle to change in the pitch to make that book more appealing. And then it turns out it's a fantastic fit. And also there's the ones where you're like, I need to put a face to the name. I've been working with this person for so long across the world sometimes. That's always nice to finally meet someone that you've been working with for a while. Um, what what would you say is the state of the foreign market in broad strokes? Very positive. Um, I feel like, you know, I've only I've only been away from it for a couple months, but um, very positive. It's funny because ten years ago it was very negative, and that was because the economy crashed and we had a global crisis, and you know, just things were not going well across the board. Um, but now things just seem to be on the up. I know there's a lot of articles out there saying whether or not publishing is doing well, but the foreign market specifically is doing well across the board for the most part. Every country is different. You know, publishing is tied to the local economy. That's a global concept. Doesn't matter where you are. But um, but otherwise, people seem very enthusiastic and positive about publishing in general overseas. How do you develop a strategy for selling foreign rights to a book? So we talk with the agent that sold it and try to know as much as possible about the book. Um, you know, oftentimes the pitch comes in. The pitch is great for the U.S. market, but needs to be 
rewritten for a foreign market. And oftentimes we will craft the pitch based on the market we're pitching it to. Um, you can't pitch the same book to one market as another, depending on the you know subject matter. So, um, so there's a lot of strategy and time that goes behind pitching overseas. When do you, like how much lead time do you need? To pitch a book overseas? Yeah. I mean, like sometimes you see that there's sales that are simultaneous with the U.S. sale. And mm. sometimes it seems like, you know, maybe you wait until there is a, already a copy edited manuscript available. <laughs> or, or. That, so that's a book by book basis. Sometimes if the manuscript's very clean from the get go, then yeah, you can, you know, go out the door immediately and start trying to sell it overseas. Um, if the book needs a lot of edits, it's smarter to just wait until you have something cleaner to pitch. Um, I mean, these publishers, imagine how many books a U.S. publisher gets now take every single U.S. publisher and give it to one publisher in a different country. I mean, the volume is just crazy. So you want that first impression to be as strong as possible um, in order to make sure that you get the sale. Um, do you often get offers for something at the fair or is that something that develops afterward? Yeah, we get offers at the fair. Oftentimes it might be that offers came in in the previous two weeks leading up to the fair and just with everything going on, it's a lot easier to tell us about it at the fair than sending emails. But, um, <laughs> but it, you know, again, each project is different. And if a project is, you know, very hot and big, then there are people who, read a book right before the fair, they offer at the fair, then you're negotiating during the fair. Um, and it's tricky because it's exciting. But on the same token, you're trying to take all these meetings and you're trying to keep up with emails from, you know, the East Coast. And then on top of that, you know, negotiating the deals that come in. So it's a really, really busy week. So yeah, that is for sure. <laughs> so okay, I think that that's a lot of information. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'll get more questions from listeners. But I can handle those. <laughs> so changing gears, it, Kathleen, it is time for self-promotion corner. Woo-woo. What new or upcoming books by your clients are you super excited about that you need to tell us? Yes. Um, so I am excited about a couple that unfortunately I cannot talk about yet, which I'm <laughs> wish I could in this podcast, but it's That's like, a really bad self-promotion corner, I to be know. honest. <laughs> I know. It's just a few weeks too early. But um, no, but books that are coming out that I can't talk about that, Liz Climo teamed up with Jory John and they have a picture book called Can Somebody Please Scratch My Back about um, an elephant with an itch on his back and he can't reach it. And so he's trying to figure out who in this animal kingdom can help him scratch his back. And it is hilarious because Jory John and Liz Climo have fantastic humor. So that sounds hilarious. What's the, um, who's the publisher? It's Dial. And that comes out March 20th. Any other titles? Yes. Um, Little Moments of Love. It's by Katana Chetwind, who is known as Katana Comics on Instagram and Facebook. And it's a collection of hilarious um, relationship comics. And that comes out May 15th from Andrews McNeil Publishing. I have two as well. Yeah. So first up, Phoebe Wall is an author illustrator that does the most lovely and wonderful like folklore woodsy artwork. Her art looks like she is an actual fairy that lives inside of a tree. Ooh. That's the only way I can describe it. Love it. Her latest book is called, very aptly, Backyard Fairies. And it is about little fairies that live in the woods. 
It is basically perfect and enchanting. It comes out this week from Knopf. It is beautiful. I will have it in the show notes. Also brand new is a middle grade, Karen Rivers, A Possibility of Wales. This uh, is from Algonquin Young Readers. It allegedly comes out March 13th, though I have actually already seen it in stores. If you don't know Karen's writing, she is amazing at writing characters that make you laugh and cry at the same time. Possibility of Wales is about a girl with a famous dad and a vanished mom who, thanks to a chance encounter with a whale, goes on a journey of self-discovery. Oh, and it also has basically the prettiest cover I've ever seen, which I wish I just owned as a piece of art. It's beautiful. Well, now I'm going to have to go Google that because that sounds yes, awesome. <laughs> you will. Okay. Um, and I'm also going to put all of these in the show notes so uh, listeners can see them without having to Google it. <laughs> Finally, as I do in every episode, and honestly, this is just a segment because I'm dying to talk about my own obsessions. I ask everyone, what are you currently obsessed with? It does not have to be bookish, but it can be. And while you are gathering your thoughts, <laughs> I will tell you my obsession. This week, I'm obsessed with this British show on Netflix. It's called Four Rooms. It is a cross between Antiques Roadshow and Shark Tank. Um, in it, people have some kind of treasure. Maybe it's a work of art or a solid silver football helmet or a, a mast <laughs> on a famous ship. It could be anything. And they have four different experts. The experts can come from various worlds, maybe auction houses or art galleries or their interior designers, but they're all really keen to buy unique and special items. So the person who owns the item has to pitch it to each of these experts, and the experts offer them money, maybe a hundred pounds, maybe fifty thousand pounds, depends on what the object is. And the person has to decide if they're going to take the offer or chance it in the next room with the next expert. But if they turn down the offer, they can't ever get it back. So it's fun to watch because um, it's. I like watching how various ways that negotiation can succeed and fail. <laughs> um, it like reminds me of agenting only with art, but also it's maddening because I'm just, like screaming at the TV like, "Just take the offer!" <laughs> or like, "You can do better, idiot!" or whatever <laughs> at the TV. So you know, I mean, yeah, it takes. It's good and bad, I guess. Yeah. But, but it's very fun and addictive to me. Uh, and that's on Netflix. So Kathleen, what are you currently obsessed with? <laughs> um, so I have actually been really obsessed with trying out cooking new recipes, but specifically new recipes that are so outside of what I would normally cook. So any, um, I really love cooking Indian food. It makes the kitchen smell amazing. It tastes amazing. Um, it leftovers it's delicious I'm also exploring um different Puerto Rican recipes I'm Puerto Rican and there are a lot of Puerto Rican foods that I eat I just never cook them so I'm trying to sort of expand what I cook in that realm as well and um Thai food I've gone on a kick lately of trying different Thai dishes and um it doesn't necessarily have to be something you know super elaborate in a fancy cookbook but you know just something like Thai shrimp for instance, that goes on the barbecue or some type of curry sauce. Um, just. Do you use cookbooks or just internet recipes? Or so what? mainly internet recipes. Um, what got me hooked on this are those YouTube videos you see where some where they're showing you how to make something step by step in a video and no one follows the video to make the recipe. So then it makes me go Google the recipe. Um, but <laughs> I'm also 
there are a couple cookbooks, I guess, that I have tapped into um, that I have laying around the house if I am in the mood for something specific and see it in there. The Puerto Rican recipes, I just text my mom and she types it up for me. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So that's a challenge, I yes. think. If there's a listener who has an amazing new recipe. Yeah, let me know. That is unusual. You should send it, tweet it to Kathleen. Yes, that'd be awesome. So Kathleen, thank you so much for joining no me. No problem. Thanks for having me. It was great. Um, and I'll, hopefully I'll see you soon. Okay, sounds good. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Kathleen, and thank you listeners for joining me. Kathleen can be found on Twitter at Hortizzle. I can be found on Twitter at LiteratiCat. And also, the LiteratiCast has a Patreon. Throw in a buck and you just might win books. I do a drawing every month. It's at patreon.com slash LiteratiCat. I also will put everything we talked about in the show notes. So if you didn't quite catch a title or you want to get that Twitter, a direct link to it, check out jenniferlofrin.com slash literaticast for the latest show notes. Thanks so much for listening and uh, see you next time.